Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Level Up podcast, and I am super excited. Today, we have got a returning guest, Mr. Josh Barker out of the West Coast, Redding, California. Josh, welcome back to the Level Up podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me here today and looking forward to having a conversation with you. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And I mean, you've got a ton of stuff to share with everybody. And one of the things we've talked to, you know, our our whole motto is from agent to entrepreneur. So one of the things that comes up a lot is the step from agent to entrepreneur always includes you've got to figure out what your why is. We've taught before, and I know you've got a big why. Kind of for those that may not know you, just bring us up to speed on you know your history in the in the real estate industry and um, maybe talk a little bit about how that transitioned into you know what you've what you've accomplished over the last 20 years in the business. Sure. Well, you know, it was uh, you know, getting into the business, you didn't know what you didn't know. And within those first couple of years, I had been exposed to some really high producing agents. Um, in fact, Greg being one of those. Um, Greg Harrelson that's there. And, um, you know, being around those kind of people, you get exposed to, hey, wait a minute, you know, you don't have to be doing two or three deals a month. You know, you could be doing 20 or 30 deals a month if you just learn to do the right things the right way. And so, you know, those first couple of years was learning that and uh, developing the skills. And all of a sudden, you know, then this goal setting thing comes in where you're like, wait a minute, you know, if I actually were to get to the level of some of these other agents, um, what could that possibly mean for my family? And so, um, you know, I took a lot of time early on uh, setting up, you know, numbers in terms of financial cash flow that I wanted to achieve so that I could, you know, be financially free at some point. I had set that goal for uh, 20 years in the business. And um, I even went as far as to determine, you know, how many commercial buildings, how many multifamily buildings, how many houses, you know, what, what, would, what would that actually need to be in order to have that passive cash flow? And then I went back a little further and said, okay, well, how many homes would I need to sell? in order to earn the income that's necessary to buy those investments. And so, you know, when you go through that, it sounds kind of analytical, but when you go through that exercise, it begins to bring some clarity and some meaning to doing things on the days that you don't want to do them. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly important that, you know, even though you may not want to be there doing that particular call that day, the why is just so big that it overcomes and, and, and literally overwhelms that emotion you might've had initially and you get excited all over again. And so I was really fortunate to be doing something that I loved, to do something that I knew um, was getting me to my, my financial goals that I had set for our family. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, after 20 years in the business and, and getting to that financial freedom, it was like, okay, it's, it's time to, you know, basically say we've, we've, we've climbed this mountain as an agent, a highly leveraged agent, now let's let's take some time and, and regroup and let's look at the next mountain we might want to climb. And uh, that's where we're at today, where we're developing a company versus, you know, just being an agent in production. Love that. So the part, the couple of things that I heard you say in there, one, which I think is so important, it happened to me when I started. And I, I to this day, I believe that that was a huge factor in what I was able to do. It's proximity. It's it's who you're around Definitely. from not only the beginning, so if you show up and the people that you're hanging around, you know, they're doing 15, 20 deals a year, that's your normal. 
that's, that's right. what you're going to play to. You show up and the people around you are doing 100, 150 deals a year. Then all of a sudden you've got a new normal. Yes. And it's no different once you, this business, you're going to make plenty of money well before you accomplish your why. So there's a yes. gap there between like you can be making a lot of money, have a lot of residual income, and you will stop if you don't have something that's bigger something than bigger. You're right. You do. You have to have something bigger and something that's going to wake you up and get you excited. And I think Jim Rohn said it best. It's like, hey, why do you get up so early? It's like, well, if you were going where I'm going, you get up early, too. Yeah. You know, and you've got to be turned on and, um, you know, and, and play that game with yourself where you're going through that exercise of really getting finding a way to be turned on every day and be excited about the opportunity to serve people. And, um, you know, again, I, I think that's probably if I were to look back and go, how did I pull that off for 20 years at that level? It's like, well, I, I was really excited for 20 years uh, because of that, uh, because yeah. of that. Why? Yeah. Well, you're you're a really I mean, from from the time that I spent with you, you're a pretty humble dude. And I know that, you know, deals and stuff like that aren't uh, aren't your why. Um, but I think for perspective, it's good that the audience kind of knows. So tell you started out as an agent, got a license. How did you where did you start? And then where did you get to at the point that you said, OK, maybe maybe I need to do something different because I hit that mark that I've been looking for for 20 years. You know, I think that, thank you. That's a good question. I, I think the five, first five years I was doing 100, 150, 180 deals a year, right in that range. Um, you know, that was the progression. Like it was pretty fast, um, faster than I know a lot of agents would experience. Um, a lot of it was just because I was around the right people that were training me the right way. I was heavily focused on the listing side of the business, which is a leveraged side of the business. Um, I didn't work with many, many, many buyers after that first year. Um, but I did reach that ceiling of about 150, 180 transactions where I personally couldn't get above that. And that's when I started bringing in agents to join up my team, quote unquote, um, because I needed to have some leverage to show homes and provide services to our clients that would take away from me going out and listing more homes. And so mm -hmm. um, we went through that transformation. Um, but at, towards the end of that 20 years, I would be going on personally about 450 listing appointments a year. I'd be listing roughly 350 a year personally, sell about 280 of those personally. And then all the buyer transactions, you know, which was another five or 600 deals were all done by our sales team um, that worked with me. I had a total of 10 agents that worked alongside of me. Um, that That's what they did. They took care of a lot of the, uh, the buyer side of the business. And so it was, you know, I was highly leveraged. I didn't have a lot of time available to me. Um, and I did that until, you know, um, I had three or four years where I was hitting over 300 homes listed a year. And um, I realized that, you know, I could keep doing this, um, but we had reached our financial goals. And I thought, like I said earlier in this video, I, I think it's time to, you know, say, okay, this is a great mountain to summit. Um, it's let's take some time and be thoughtful about the next mountain we want to climb. Um, but we went through all of those transformations. Um, you know, my wife and I in this business, like most people do, if you've been in for 20 years, you've, you've gone through all of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I was, um, I, I think I hit the higher numbers of listings. I, I think that's probably the one that usually shocks people. Um, but the reason why it happened was because I was around a group of people that were saying, is it possible? Mm -hmm. We were challenging each other all the time. Like, can it be done? You know? Um, and I didn't do it with subdivisions. I, I mean, that was just mom and pops at their kitchen <clears throat> table. You know, it was a lot of work and, um, but once you started doing it, you realize that, well, it is possible. The only reason nobody thought it was is because nobody had tried it. Yeah. And, um, I gave a lot of credit to a, a guy named Mike Darda. He's down in Florida. He's still in real estate. Great guy. But one day Mike had said, Mike Darda had said, 
my goal is to list 40 homes a month. But what I thought he said was, I list 40 homes a month. And so when he said it, I can do that. I was like, I have to do that too. And so, um, and only later did I find out that he didn't say I'm doing that. He said, I wanted to do that, but it's so cool how that worked out because he made it possible for me. Yeah. By just saying that. Yeah. And, uh, and you, it was cool. you, you've mentioned the term, you know, leveraged and some people may not know what that means. And it's basically, he was, he's making time work for him. He's making, you know, he's getting the most out of every minute by having a team and having systems in place and being very skilled. He wasn't going on hour and a half listing appointments, guys, no. but you're listing four going on 400 appointments, listing 300 plus homes. I don't care how leveraged you are. You are hustling. That is a lot yeah. of work. And so that's, you know, that's a, that's huge. Um, so somewhere in there in the in the sales part of it, you'd start seeing some opportunity and said, okay, maybe I, and for the record too, I've mentioned California, you're not in LA, right? Like no. you're not in like the highly populated LA County. Where no, are you? I live, in, I live in Shasta County and uh, Shasta County is a population of about 145,000 people. Um, my daughter, we, we, we're in such a conservative little town. A lot of people wear cowboy boots around here uh, and they call them shoes. <laughs> So my poor daughter, she went away to college down in Napa area and she came home visiting. She says, honey, or she says, dad, um, people here, they, they, they call me a, a, a hick or a country girl. Why do they say that? And I said, well, honey, look at what's on your feet right now. She goes, what shoes? I'm like, those are called boots. You know, so That's great. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny. So you're selling 300 listings. You've got a team behind us, another 500 plus buyers. That's 800 deals a year. Is that 50% market? Share? I mean, what kind of market share is that with in, in that type? Well, of there was uh, there was almost 8,000 sides in our market. Okay. Um, you know, 4,000 or so homes sold a year. So um, we, you know, we were prevalent and participated a in a lot of yeah. transactions. Yeah. Um, but we, at our at our peak, we were just at 800 transactions a year as a team. And I was oh. doing closing about 280 of it personally. And their balance was being done by our sales team. Okay. Um, and thank God for that. You know, it's nice yeah. to have a good team doing that. Um, but it was, you know, I was hitting the ceiling in our market. I already knew I was like, you know, I don't have any more time available to me. We're, we're starting to see this law of diminishing return with what I can personally do. And I could have leveraged out with listing agents much sooner, but I chose not to at that time. Um, that's why when we came back, we just launched our company about 90 days ago. And I said, we're going to rebuild, but I'm not going to be that producer in this company anymore. Now we're going to just I'll move that into that leadership role. We're going to coach, train, and mentor our agents. We're going to have processes and systems to coach and train them on. And uh, we're going to take what we've learned over 20 years and we're going to pour it into our sales team so that they can provide that great value and service to our clients and get the results that their clients want, that the agent wants, and ultimately what the company wants. Awesome. So where did, did, the, did the ability, your financial freedom that you were going for, was that going to come from doing transaction is that where it came from or what what kind of launched you to that um quicker because it so was early on um early on what i did was i took the time to kind of figure out you know what exactly do i want for passive cash flow um you know and i was trying to project you know way down the road you know 15 years down the road what do i want this to be and so i came up with a number i figured out how many assets i'd have to control to to accomplish that number I figured out how many transactions I'd have to do to buy those properties. But what people may miss, and I'm way more conservative than most, so they, some people may not even like this comment, but what I did was is that I, when I, once I secured 
enough assets that I knew once they were paid off would would ultimately provide me with this passive cash flow that I was looking for. I stopped acquiring at that point, and that's where I think I turned a lot of people off. But that's what I did, and um, then I started focusing on paying off certain things. And then what happened was is that all that passive cash flow that was coming in, it was just simply spilling into the next loan on the other property, yeah. paying those balances down faster. It, it just went really fast. That last three or four years, man, I was paying stuff off left and right. And I personally wasn't really paying a lot of it off. It was just the passive cash flow yeah. that was coming in that was used to pay that off. And uh, for the young younger people on this call there, or this video, they're gonna be like, that's crazy. You need to keep buying. And it's like, I didn't know rates were going to stay at 2.7 this long. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we were expecting the market to make a shift several years ago. So, yeah. um, you know, I was conservative and, um, I don't regret the decision. That's just who I am. But, um, but ultimately, um, it's proven to be really well because we have a passive cash flow. I don't have to work anymore. Um, I enjoy building a company, you know, and I like that process that turns me on and, you know, it's the next mountain we want to climb. Got it. So you, so just a little bit deeper um, dive into the, into your plan. One thing that keeps coming out is, you know, your numbers, you know, your numbers on your listings, you know, your, your team obviously knows their numbers because they're producing at a high level and you figured out, all right, I've got X amount going out every month in expenses, lifestyle, bills, groceries, all that stuff. And yep. I need to acquire properties where the positive cash flow, I can guess you were a positive cash flow guy. You weren't buying stuff based on maybe it'll go no. up. Your no. positive cash flow. And each positive cash flow takes a little bit of a cuts a little bit of a dent into what I'm spending every year. And you want to get to the point where everything you were spending was covered by your passive income. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you, you go ahead. I was going to say, so those numbers were, I probably lived off of about 20% of the income I earned each year. So, you know, the company at the time, let's say I was netting taxable income of about 2 million and my family was living off of roughly 200,000, but I live in California. So I didn't have a 1.8 to spend after that. I only had about 800 to spend after that you know, cause they take half right off the top for yep. the privilege to live in the golden state. Right. So, um, so I've got 800 grand and that 800 grand is going to acquire properties um, early on and, and, and then pay off certain things as well. And so, you know, that's, and I, I live really low beneath our means in comparison to what I could have done. Um, but that wasn't our goal. We weren't, our goal was not to, you know, to do that. Our goal was to get to a point where we could be financially free as young as possible um, and not so that we could retire, but more so that we could make a decision on what we wanted to do instead of what we needed to do. Yeah, man, such I'm so glad that you said that I was going to ask, but I, but you actually said exactly what I was thinking. There will come a time where and the best thing to do is spend the first five or seven years in the business and don't change your lifestyle at all. But, yeah. you know, you start doing things, you start making a little bit of money, you want to buy the new house, the car, yep. the boat, I get it. Yep. But you have to pick a spot where you're going to stop increasing your lifestyle to meet your income, because otherwise, you will work just as hard forever and have nothing to show for it. And then when right. something changes, and your income goes backwards, you're really, really stuck. So yep. kept the lifestyle at a normal pace, um, banking cash, buying properties, got to the point where you're like, okay, we're financially free, then what was what because there's a gap between that and where you're sitting here today. What mm -hmm. did you do? What was the what was the 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 thing that you needed to do at that point to say, all right, I'm gonna go hang out and do something else for a while? 
<laughs> well, it's funny. I was at a dinner with you and 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 Greg. Uh, this has been six, seven years ago. And Greg says to me, "Because you know, Josh, you're going to go through a mental breakdown when you step out of production." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "I don't know, but something's bad's going to happen. Something big's going to happen when you step out of production." I'll never forget he said that. And I was like, "Okay." Um, when we reached that passive cash flow number, my wife and I had this dream of always taking our kids and going sailing. And so we already owned our sailboat in Florida, even though we live in California. And um, we've been going back and forth, visiting our sailboat as much as we could. And, and um, when COVID hit and we were already financially free and my daughter who was in college, daughter was in high school um, and my son at home, he was only five at the time. And I said, you know, honey, we, we will have no better time than right now to take those girls since they're on homeschool anyway, because of, you know, COVID locking down the colleges and high school. Mm -hmm. Let's just, if they want to go, let's go. And they were between boyfriends at the time. And it was like, so perfect timing. Yeah. yeah. So we took right. off. We we went and uh, you know I made the bad news announcement to our company and let them know. It, and we we did a conversion where that company transformed into a different company. And um, so we didn't just like walk out, but um, mm -hmm. they didn't have to. They didn't have to move their office. They just a new sign, a new leadership team, and they stayed where they were at. Um, and we went and jumped on our sailboat and took off sailing towards the Bahamas and the Caribbean. And That's then, incredible. Uh, uh, we thought we'd gone for three or four years, but uh, as uh, fate would have it, we ended up having another baby. <laughs> so that uh, causes the boat to turn around <laughs> and uh, come back to uh, come back to the States. And so now we have a six month old, a five year old, an 18 year old and a 22 year old. So I've, I've got kids on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, That's incredible. Same, same wife. I get that question a lot. Do you get remarried? I'm like, no, we're just both pretty nuts. So. Yeah. Um, wasn't but, a lot to uh, choose from out there in the water. <laughs> What's that? Wasn't a lot to choose from out there in the water. Same. No, way. not a lot to choose from. Right. Yeah. She, she had better options here in the States for sure. So, That's funny. um, so we were, um, you know, when we came back, it was a decision of, you know, what, what's the mountain we were thinking about it while we were out there. Uh, but we thought we'd be gone longer. And, um, um, I had a few opportunities and I think I told you before this video started, I just, at the end of the day, I, I really do still love the process of building companies. And I didn't want to, go work, you know, as a CEO for another company or something when I felt like this was, you know, I still had another mountain I could climb in the real estate business. Mm -hmm. I think with Zillow and Realtor.com and some of the other interesting uh, challenges that the industry is going to have in the next five years, I very much want to be, I very much want to have my say along with you guys and and how that happens and how that transforms and be competitive and, uh, you know, take on the bigs, right? That's going to mm -hmm. be fun. I, I yeah. think it's going to be so much fun uh to compete that way yeah. um and it's interesting the solutions that we're going to have to come up with as brokers um you know how we facilitate processes for our clients and how we you know build these teams now because we really have to build them for a disruption we all know is coming yeah and um and so what more fun could you possibly have than, than to know you're in an industry that's about to get disrupted yep yeah, we're not the uh, we're not the travel agents that just all of a sudden turned around and and um, you know uh, travelocity and everything was behind them. Like what were what was uh, that concept wasn't even out there. Nobody was nobody knew that was happening until it happened. We're not the blockbusters who just get slapped upside the head. We know right. this is coming. We've oh, got yeah. every opportunity to prepare, and some are and some aren't. I totally agree. You know, I was talking to our sales team about this uh, a couple of days ago, and I said, you know, the interesting thing is that out there in realtor world, and that would be the people outside of our companies, you know, they're, they're, there's a thousand agents doing a thousand things a thousand different ways. 
there's no strategy, there's no cohesive process, there's, there's no you know, vision for the future, and they're going to get slaughtered. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're going to get eaten up so fast by this market shift um, and by the industry that's going to get disrupted, where I think teams that are you know, structured properly, value-driven for the consumer, um, you know, very thoughtful about how to bring agents in and how to train and equip them to be successful and being realistic about what the fee structure might be in the future um, and, and how we're going to have to be competitive against whatever the bigs decide to do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot, there's going to be a lot of interesting challenges, but I think working as a company, as a team, at least with that, you have a chance to have an impact in your market. Whereas an individual agent, there's no way a small agent's going to be able to have that kind of meaningful impact. Yeah. Um, and I think brokers, if they recognize that's the value they can bring, you know, is to be, you know, have, be, be a leader, have a vision, a mission, and a plan, um, have a process and a system, bring people together, um, you know, have a cohesive strategy that everybody's working with, um, and make sure it works, you know, tweak it all the time, make it better, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, those are the, those are the companies that are going to be viable long-term. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a good segue into um, now that you are not in production and, um, you know, you're but you're a leader, you've got to have the vision, you got to have the mission, you got to have the plan. How's it? How has your role changed since you're out of production now? Um, in, in still, though, I mean, I, I know you're not in this to do 50 deals for your company. No. So tell us what's changed with how you're running your team or your, your company? Well, I think it's, I mean, I have more time uh, now to be looking at, you know, what I call the, you know, the three buckets or three pillars, which is lead generation, lead conversion, and the administrative support side, right? Those are the three things that every real estate company really has to evaluate. And uh, looking at the lead side, it's, you know, being really strategic about how we're going to do our marketing and our promotion. We have to generate opportunities at a lower cost than our competitors. The volume needs to be high enough that we can, you know, provide based on a conversion rate, we'll provide the results the company wants to uh, provide. Um, you know, you have the conversion piece, which is how many agents are you going to need to fulfill that vision? Um, you know, what kind of coaching and training are you going to need in place to get the conversion rate at the number which keeps the company profitable? Um, you know, what systems and processes to make life easier for that for that conversion to stay sustainable? Um, and then the administrative side, which we take a lot of ownership on, we have full time listing management, closing management, marketing, um, you know, and, and being that we take ownership of that, are we staffed properly? Are they trained properly? Do we have the right tools and systems in place so they can be successful? You know, making sure that, uh, you know, it's scalable because, you know, I don't plan to stay just in Reading. I'm planning on going to Sacramento next and, um, you know, making sure our systems and processes here are going to be the same ones that we can execute on down and, you know, to two and a half hour away market. So got to have some processes in mind. And as a CEO, you've got to be thinking like that. You know, you, you, if you have a vision for five, five years from now, a lot of the decisions I'm making today, I have to kind of compare it to five years from now and say, okay, well, this decision today have to be changed again, mm -hmm. or is this a decision that we believe will actually fulfill our five-year vision? So, um, you know, where when you're just an agent in production, you just you don't have the the capacity to take on some of those other opportunities. Yeah, you know, I didn't have time to do mortgage and title. Um, you know, to do some of the heavier investing that we could have done. I I was busy at mom and pop's kitchen table. You know, I didn't yeah. have the time. Where today you know, part of our long-term strategy will be some of those auxiliary services being added into the company. Yeah, you're, I mean, 
God bless your competition in the market now that you're not actually going on appointments um, every day of the week because you sitting down and having an actual plan with all that time is scary stuff for your competition. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're having a lot of fun already. You know, I've, I've, uh, you know, my first hire when I came back was uh, our office manager. Everybody's like, how'd you hire all those people so fast? I'm like, I didn't hire them. I went and hired a really good you know, branch manager and said, hire all these people. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't go that route, but um, you know, it's, I do agree. I think we're probably because of the time that you have when you're a leader and you have the time to be thoughtful about the strategy and the mission and you know, how you're going to accomplish it. Yeah. You can get stuff done a lot faster, yeah. you know? And, and I, I think that, and you guys, you guys are like this too, but you know, we, we set the vision, the mission and the plan, and then we push. Mm-hmm you know, and, and making sure that people are fulfilling that. And um, when you have the time to do it, there's no telling what you can get done. Yeah. And the, the neat thing, Greg always makes a, a reference. He's, he's, I remember what probably within my first six months of working with him years ago, he gave me the example of what his role was. And it, it seems like talking with you, it's very similar. He is the scout. I'm the scout for our office. He's a scout for his office. And our role is to go out and, and understand what's happening And make sure that the agents on the team don't have to worry about knowing what direction we're going. Just keep, just come on, come on, because we've already gone ahead and looked and seen what's out there. What's scary. What do we got to know? And now we'll keep making the path. If you guys just keep following behind us. And I think that's, I, I hear a lot of that in what you're doing. So um, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing that you've got going on now, especially with the time you've got. And it's in its ownership, right? I mean, it's taking yeah. ownership as a company of the success of the company and the agents that are in the company and the clients that are being served by the company. And, um, you know, I think that in, you know, realtor world, the brokers out there typically just expect the agents to be the ones to figure all that stuff out. And it's that lack of vision and mission and plan and that lack of concern for what might be coming um, or not. Or maybe it's not even a side of a lack of concern. Maybe it's just a lack of not knowing what to do. Yeah. You know, where um, for some companies like yours, it's it's like, no, we understand the industry. We do understand what the changes are that are coming. We know what our value proposition is, and we are going to continue to stay on the cutting edge of, of vision and mission and plan to make sure that our team can execute at the highest level possible. And, you know, if you don't start with that, my, that mindset, you know, from the beginning, it, uh, it's it's not good. These agents should all be looking at their leadership team right away and saying, who are they? Yeah. What are they? What do they stand for? Where are they going? Because if yeah. they're depending on agents to solve their problems, that company's not going to be, you know, the only that won't be as successful as if it's working together as a company, as a team. Yeah, there's always something to chase, but you've got to be the one to say, okay, this is the direction we're going, take yeah. ownership of it, and then actually execute it. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about the military. I mean, the infantry doesn't get dropped and then say, Oh, the guys do whatever you want. <laughs> you know, there's a reason stuff, generals and captains and lieutenants. I mean, you know, you, you've got to put them in the right direction and then move them forward, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. Good deal. So, Hey man, I, uh, great stuff. Great stuff. One other thing I just had in my notes, I want to make sure everybody takes note of is so you, you got to the point where you're financially free, you've got all this stuff happen and then COVID comes up. And you told your wife, what an opportunity. How many of us miss opportunity because of lack of preparation? Mm. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Did you have, were you planning on doing that in April of uh, 2020? No, we had planned on doing it in December though. Yeah. Yeah. So we, because we were already financially free and because my kids were home because of the COVID lockdown, 
and California was really locked down at that time. Yeah. Um, it was like, let's, this is an opportunity. Everybody else is looking at it's like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. And I'm going, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Let's do this right now. Yeah. And, uh, but you're right. I mean, if we hadn't been prepared, we could have never taken advantage yep. of that opportunity. Yeah. And, and didn't miss a thing while you were gone. No, I mean, I mean, I, other than, you know, I did, it's, that's another challenge. That was the one thing I did miss in that whole thing was the challenging aspects of COVID. That, that must've been, I'm not saying it was fun, but it's different. Yeah. It was a different problem to solve. Yeah. And, um, and for that, those who got to solve it, good for them. I mean, that was, must've been a lot of, you know, I wouldn't say fun. Let's just say it was an interesting experience and uh, something we probably won't see again. Yeah. And, um, you know, I missed out on that you know but yeah uh, it, it's it's a good point and it's you know not to ever detract any of the the terrible stuff that came out of it but the reality is we it was the craziest 6 to 9 months ever because <laughs> yeah. we went from i mean literally went from third or fourth week of march with zoom calls talking about all right review your expenses it's not bringing a profit cut it all yep. this stuff and in the course of maybe 90 days, probably closer to 60 days. It's like, all right, something's going on here. All that stuff, throw that business plan out and yep. now do another one. You got to go yes. all in because the market's exploding. And then six yes. months later, forget it. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, I mean, and I got to see it from my sailboat, <laughs> but it was like, I was watching that and I, and I was as interested as anybody. The only thing I, I was still coaching our company. Even when I left, I, I still provided some training each week for our team. I, I didn't want to like lose Josh overnight, you know, so mm -hmm. I, I was calling and checking in and we would do a 30 minute call each week and kind of motivate him. And, you know, so I had a pretty good feel for what was going on here, but man, it was, I think a surprise for all of us had been, you know, veterans in the business. It was like, wow, this was unexpected. Yep. No doubt. Well, for people that are out there and agents that might be going, Oh my God, I didn't know Josh was back or I actually <laughs> like the West coast, California. Maybe I should move there. How would agents um, get a hold of you? What's the best way to, to uh, touch base with you? Easiest way is to type Josh Barker into Google and uh, or readinghomes.com. Got it. If that's, I type Josh Barker and then I go to photos, is it all like Caribbean? Uh, <laughs> no, we haven't uploaded too many of those, but <laughs> okay, uh, uh, but no, you'll, you'll find our company. They're really pretty easy. Our company's called Josh Barker Real Estate, so uh, it'll that's be easy to find us that way. Awesome. Well, Josh, thanks again for hopping on here. And uh, thank you for uh, for those in the audience. Please continue to um, give us some feedback. There's uh, different topics you want us to talk about. Always give us a great review, a bad review. It doesn't matter. All reviews are good. We read them all and respond. And for both Greg and I, if you have questions, you want to reach out to us. Um, usually the best way is uh, hit us up on Facebook and uh, we respond to everything as quick as we can. And uh, just once again, thank you, Josh. And uh, you can come back and, and uh, you've always got great stuff anytime. So enjoyed it. Thank you very, very much for the opportunity to talk with you guys today. You got it.